Welcome back to Night Cheese. This is Steven. And I'm Tim. And I'm Jared. And we want to welcome you guys to another episode of our cinematic comfort food that is the Indiana Jones films worth viewing. Um, I'm excited to uh, come to you tonight. Actually, I've left my North Carolina location and I've been visiting some family in Georgia. So we happened to swing by and Tim and his family have welcomed me into his home. So Tim and I are recording from the same location mm-hmm. uh, for the first time in many years. Yeah. So I think the last time we did this was a Christmas episode, mm-hmm. like almost 10 years ago, almost. Just about, yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time. We both look <laughs> a lot older. So, um, Anyway, uh, yeah, so tonight we're going to be going through the latest uh, Indiana Jones film, 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Um, So, you know, last time we talked about, when we talked about Raiders of the Lost Ark, how, you know, that's just really widely accepted, widely regarded film, and obviously wildly popular, it's timeless, everybody loves it. But, um we tinkered around with the idea of people's love of Indiana Jones kind of being tied to the film that, that they were introduced to first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here we have an interesting situation because um, Temple of Doom was, well, I'll say it was my first Indiana Jones film. Um, and I think it was for all, was it for all three of us? Is that right? think so yeah for me too I, mine for whatever reason was raiders i don't know why but <laughs> oh really okay. yeah yeah all right so never mind then uh, about that uh, tim um <laughs> sorry to throw a wrench in that <laughs> no big you could have just lied yeah, yeah true <laughs> yeah that that harmony really was doing something for us <sighs> let's start over again okay no um so yeah temple of doom comes along and uh, 1984, and it's it's a deviation. Mm. I don't even know if it's really appropriate. I mean, in retrospect, it was a deviation. So like they, um, it's it's a prequel mm-hmm. uh, for Indiana Jones. It's prior to all the Nazi influence. It's really a different kind of film, and it ended up, um, I don't know, just being a weird genesis for a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so before before we get too much into the weeds on that, um, Jared, tell me a little bit about your your earliest Temple of Doom memories and and where this one, at least preliminarily speaking, where this one kind of falls in the ranking for you. Um, so I don't remember actually how old I was when I saw it. So I would have I would have been four in 1984. So I probably didn't see it then. Um, so I, you know, I, I saw it sometime in the late eighties and kind of like how we talked before, I think because it was the one that I saw first, it had, um, you know, sort of, a uh, special place in, in my heart. And I think, um, you know, upon reflection of, of, you know, getting older and, and having seen the other movies more, I don't know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of hard for me to rate it because it is, um, such a kind of a departure it's not a not as much of a you know an archaeologist exploration type of thing like you said it's it's its own little thing um still has uh you know sort of a um like i said i just have an affinity for it but, but having seen it first but um yeah i i'm kind of vague on a lot of that stuff so it really is just kind of um, the overall 
appreciation for it being the film that kind of got me into the series. Yeah, yeah, that's <clears throat> I can I can get on board with that myself. Uh, being kind of an early thing and one of the first introductions and stuff. I can't quite remember how old I was either when I saw it. I um, I remember watching it on VHS, and I want to say it was like a recording of like an HBO broadcast of it or something like that. Um, how we would have gotten the possession of that, I don't know, because we never had <laughs> HBO growing up. Um, but I do know at times in watching it, I felt like maybe I was too young to be watching this. Um, but yeah, it was my first um, my first real introduction in Indiana Jones. I remember the Nintendo Entertainment System, the 8-bit Nintendo from the early to mid-80s, had a Temple of Doom NES game. And I can't remember. I feel like I probably had seen the movie before playing that game, which mm-hmm. was the game was, was not great, as most licensed properties weren't yeah. um, <laughs> right. with Nintendo, especially back then. So I have a feeling I probably saw the film first because I had some working knowledge of what was supposed to be happening in mm-hmm. that game and wasn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it's a really, I don't know, I'm really intrigued with sort of the deviation of the story here, uh, which mm-hmm. more I'll, I'll get into in a minute. But uh, Tim, what was your, uh, you know, since, since this wasn't the first yeah. Indiana Jones film you saw, well, apparently. I, yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I'm, sh- I, I'm, I feel like I saw Raiders before this, but it it's one of those that I don't remember the first time because it was we watched it so much. But I do just without it, I know exactly the the moment the time I saw Temple Doom for or at least part of it. Um, my my parents said we just moved up to Georgia from Florida. We were in like this tiny single wide trailer while you know my dad's family they were building a house nearby, and I think. I don't remember. I think it was pretty close to the run of time we moved up. We were getting settled. And I, I think it was one of the situations where I, you know, all the kids had gone to bed and I kind of woke up and went to see what my parents were doing. They were watching that movie. And, <laughs> and I was, I, I want to say I was like four or five. And I remember I, I missed a lot of the, the worst stuff, but uh, I caught the ending, you know, with the the bridge scene. Oh. And for whatever reason, the the idea of the alligators underneath, the, the, you know, the crocodiles at the end yeah. for whatever reason as a kid that just terrified I mean it it was one of those first like distinct memories of as a kid being scared of something mm-hmm. that I'd seen in a film which is weird now because I feel like I, I'm not sure when I saw Raiders maybe before or after but I, I feel like before I don't know I feel like there was probably some scary stuff in that too but I just remember that that scene in Temple of Doom and it just like scar me i did not want to see that movie for years after that because of that scene i finally did you know and loved it but it took me a while to to want to watch it (laughs) man well so temple of doom um how how do we begin to count the differences (laughs) um the first thing that really gets me and one thing i thought was cool about all the indie films is that you know they're all distributed by paramount pictures Mm -hmm. and so that has the big you know mountain logo and every film like fades from the mountain into Mm -hmm. some other mountainous thing yeah um and this is probably my favorite one um it's strange because i got to admit and we 
while we get into this later or even another episode, I was prepared to say this is actually my favorite opening sequence. But mm. Last Crusades is really good. Yeah. Um, and I think that that one's the best, but we can talk about that when we're actually talking about Last Crusade. Um, <laughs> I love the I love the China aspect of it, um, the opening scene. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I thought of when I was watching it again was us talking about Raiders and how Lucas or Spielberg, one of them, had said they wanted to make a James Bond film mm. and they ended up making Indy instead. Mm-hmm. And like that opening scene was like straight out of a Spielbergian James mm. Bond play is what it felt yeah. like. That whole exchange with the Chinese gangsters yeah. and him wearing a tux, mm-hmm. you know, and he looked like... He looked like if Harrison Ford was James Bond. Um, so I felt like that was almost a... That's pure conjecture on my part. Like, mm-hmm. none of my research supports that. But it really felt like, you know what? I'm going to get a James Bond movie. And <laughs> whether, you know, yeah. hell or high water. And so, um, yeah, the opening scene is really neat. I will say in 2020, it's pretty amusing. So Indy has already we already see Indy after he has acquired some artifact mm-hmm. for this gangster and he's trading it for this diamond mm-hmm. or something, you know, with these shady gangster figures in Shanghai. And <clears throat> he has a man on the inside who's kind of got his back. Cause he obviously doesn't trust these gangsters to hold up to their word. Well, his friend who's posing as a waiter 2020 of all 2020s is named Wuhan. Yeah. Oh man, I, I missed that. I, didn't I that. never, you know, dozens of viewings never yeah. caught it until this time, of course, because I'm triggered to hear that word now and think of all these different things. And I'm like, oh well, <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. So, but uh, what I find really fascinating about is the film opens like a musical. Yeah. Um, Kate Capshaw doing the Chinese version of Anything Goes and. Um, it's so disarming mm-hmm. in a way, and also really excellently choreographed mm-hmm. too. Like it just so much of Temple of Doom just feels like a completely different indie movie, yeah. which is weird to say that considering there had only been one. Well, yeah, yeah, at this point. But and then Last Crusade, um, the critics of that would say it was a retread of Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um. But so, yeah, like there's just so many. I feel like this is almost like what the world was like before (laughs) there was an Internet. And like Mm -hmm. this is could have Temple of Doom could have been what The Last Jedi could have been. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they take a lot of different choices. They have, you know, at least for for Temple, you have a different set of villains, a different MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's no biblical background to it. There's no Nazis. Um, yeah. You have short round in there. Yeah. Um, which is great. I think that was actually probably one of the reasons I was so drawn to Temple of Doom as well, because mm. I was a huge Goonies fan. Mm. Um, and this, I think this was Key Kwan's first role. Um because he, his brother, I think, was auditioning for it. Oh, wow. And he was, it was like uh, that episode of Full House where um, one of the girls is auditioning for the commercial mm-hmm. and the other one just looks cute in the background while they're waiting because they're bored. <laughs> and they're like, hey, you, you come over here and read it. 
and they just like <laughs> improvised uh, the card scene. Oh wow! Of them playing cards and yelling at each other and mm-hmm. stuff, and oh, they're like, "Oh no, we want him." So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Temple of Doom. You know, with the success of Raiders of the Lost Ark, you can see an avenue where they just you know take the success of the first and just kind of re retread all of that but i love how they just felt empowered to just do something wildly different almost no, you know very few similarities I'm, I'm just happy that they felt that creative like enthusiasm and didn't feel the need to just kind of redo what they did with the first and just kind of you know use the success of the first to to just kind of retread it i, I love that they that he and I'm, and I'm like you said i'm kind of baffled like looking like i feel like that was just kind of this perfect timing where they felt that they could do that mm-hmm. um now i don't know i don't know i feel like maybe not now but um yeah i just i love that 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 it was all very new and unique yeah you know there was just so much that was different to mm-hmm. it um and the the opening scene i will say sort of the adventure of the opening scene from the the breakdown and the shootout mm-hmm getting the, the car chase and mm-hmm. getting the plane like a blink and you'll miss it cameo from Dan Aykroyd oh, yes. um, who ushers them onto their plane um, all the way to like the plane crash and the rapids <laughs> like it's it's a really relentless um, first several minutes of the mm-hmm. film um, yeah. surprisingly because I don't and I don't feel I again Last Crusade kind of got there I mm-hmm. think but I, I I'd say Temple is unmatched in the first ten minutes of of just how um, how much it kept escalating uh, mm-hmm. the action until you actually get into the prime storyline of the film yeah. and how they end up get, getting dropped into that literally and <laughs> which I have to say I, it's funny in the past I gave up well granted I, I do agree that I do think they're wildly different but I. I'd kind of forgotten how how crazy the jump from the plane to the snow to the you know to the river, and I used to I used to give a lot of crap to the the refrigerator scene and the nuke <laughs> you know when when uh, when Jones was nuked in the in a uh, Crystal you know the fourth film and this one I felt like watching it again I'm like oh gosh that's kind of close to just the outlandishness oh, yeah. yeah but for some reason I just enjoy it way more than yeah. than the the nuke the nuke scene just kind of bothered me this one as almost egregious it it just felt i don't know it just felt more fun there was just it just it was a lot i don't know i enjoyed it a lot more <laughs> where do you jared where do you stand on the integrity of the plane slash raft slash yeah i it's funny because i kind of like tim said like when i saw having seen the raft scene uh you know early on as a kid i never really thought that much about it mm-hmm. and maybe even didn't think that much about it um, you know, even still as I got a little bit older, but then like post nuke the fridge <laughs> and going back and thinking about it, I was like, you know, this is not that far off. Yeah. Yeah. The nuke, the fridge, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's better. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. it's not as absurd mm-hmm. maybe, or at least, I, but I think like, I think part of it was with the, with the nuke, the fridge scene too, like it makes it worse because it's like total CGI too. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. Whereas, whereas at least you know with this, you know you've got like an actual 
raft for at mm-hmm. least a lot of the scene, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of absurdity, it's like, yeah, no, that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't work. That's <laughs> the, the movie would actually end when right. you hit the ground. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but at least there's padding. At least the raft is kind of soft. Yeah. Yeah. As inside of a fridge. Oh you know, man. It's, it, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> The uh, I, I will say too. I think that there's a little more forgiveness in Temple's sequence too, because the dramatic load is split among three characters, mm-hmm. whereas Indy's just by himself, and the whole nuking of the fridge thing. Mm-hmm. And even though he has his comedic moments when he's a little freaked out, just everything like it was your first time seeing Indy after mm-hmm. like what thirty years. And that's like our first kind of mm-hmm. foray into him. And um, yeah, with, um, w- you know, you had short round there for sort of comic relief. Mm-hmm. And Kate Capshaw was also there, um, <laughs> too, uh, with her relentless screaming. Um, yes. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, it, it, there, there was more to go around. At least, uh, mm-hmm. in that, and I'm, and I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, guilty of sort of nostalgia bias on that mm-hmm. too. With like the first time I saw it, I just thought this was like, oh, what fun adventure! Yeah, um, and I'm glad that I didn't own a raft at that point either, because I probably would have really <laughs> oh, injured man. myself thinking that was something you could get away with. Um, <laughs> but so, Kate Capshaw, interestingly enough, uh, not at the time of casting, but later on uh, would go on to be Mrs. Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where they met. And so strangely enough, Spielberg, not a big fan of this film um, himself, but he always saves a spot for it because this is where he met his wife. Um, and I don't, I've been thinking about this since mm-hmm. I watched it again, how to approach the topic of Willie as a character and Kate Capshaw as an actress and stuff. I mean, I have not really seen her in anything else. Mm-hmm. And I looked her up, and she's done some things, but yeah. certainly nothing on the level of the Indiana Jones film. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a long amount of projects either. But do you, first of all, can we all agree that she's like the worst female from any indie film? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's pre- it's pretty over the top. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. over the top, annoying. Yeah, yeah. So yep. now that we're in agreement on that, um, do you think that's her fault, or do you think it's just how the character's written? Because I feel like the character mm. was like a total um, antithesis to both Marion and um, what's the girl in oh. Elsa? Oh, yeah. Um, I think she's like this total sort of feminist antithesis to both of them. Like mm-hmm. both of them were really capable in their own ways mm-hmm. um, for better or worse. Yeah. Um, but she was just completely helpless. Yeah. Like a real caricature, mm-hmm. uh, which is even more obnoxious in 2020 to see. Yeah. You know, yeah, Thoughts? it's interesting. Like going back to the, you know, the bond thing and maybe, I don't know if it was there maybe more than I'm remembering in some of the other movies. But, but when you were, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about, you know, the relationship between Indy and, and her, and it it did seem kind of like 
sort of the bond, like the bond bond girl thing in, in mm-hmm. some ways, like, yes. you know, just throughout the whole movie, it's just like, he, he just calls her sweetheart over and over. And <laughs> yeah. there, there's, there's the moment Doll. at the end where she's yeah. about to walk away and he uses his whip to wrap <laughs> oh, her, that's and right. pull oh. her back and, and kiss her. And so I remember at, at the time before you even, you know, uh, <laughs> mentioned this today, that. thinking like, that's that's almost kind of like you know bond like it is uh, so yeah she's basically a bond girl yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was almost like she was there to kind of elevate like in any situation harrison you know indiana jones was calm collected and she was there to kind of show like how normal like she was freaking out at everything she was being the ugly american uh you know yeah. she was just the the to kind of show how much more indy had it together and yeah, I don't, I feel like there was, I don't know if it was her. I feel like that was just a, they wanted that. Yeah. That character yeah. that. But she definitely uh, was the ugly American. Oh that is, goodness. that is a real thing. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. I didn't ever thought about it that, that way. But like turning down the, I mean, granted, I know in the, in the temple, you know, all that food I can, uh, you know, sure. but, it, but in the small village, you know, turning down the food and, mm-hmm. and the, you know, I was like, oh man, Andy, he's got it. And he's like, no, this is more than what, you know, he was kind of giving the reasoning why she should do certain things. And it's like, oh, that's. Way to go, Indy. That was <laughs> Yeah. How culturally sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> You're not just an archaeologist. Yeah. <laughs> You're a humanitarian. Um, but really I joke I joke about saying that, but this film really does jump off from the academic into the humane mm. um when they crash in this village in India and um he starts to, you know, kind of that sort of Indiana Jones frothing over the MacGuffin of whatever mm-hmm. they're going to find. Um, and he learns that, uh, you know, it, it's, it, uh, man, I, I can't really wrap my head around how I want to say it, but I'm, I'm really fascinated in his sort of interactions with the, I don't know what you want to call him, like the shaman or the, the, the village leader um, mm-hmm. and how confident and welcoming the leader is when he meets Indy Mm -hmm. Um, because he is convinced that (laughs) this doesn't age super well, but these saviors have arrived. (laughs) Um, The, the white savior thing. Okay. That's, that's, that's ugly. Um, Yeah. And, and, and I can't, yeah, that, that part's not great, but um, admittedly so, but the, the idea of his, um, sort of John Lockean from Lost anyways, John Locke, mm. uh, providential interpretation of, you know, everything happens for a reason. Your your plane crashed for so that, you know, God made your plane crash so that you could help us. Um and I am um I, I don't know, I'm I was further invested in this story, at least compared to Raiders, because these weren't um one thing I think, the, especially the three films do really well, is sort of posit some of these characters against each other who were fighting over an artifact and the the motivations behind why people mm. want them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you see that. Well, you don't really see that with the Ark. You just see the Nazis wanting it for the wrong yeah. reasons but then you have like the village versus Molaram wanting the stones and even you have the nazis versus say like henry jones senior mm-hmm. wanting the grail you know um and their their motivations behind wanting to acquire it 
And, you know, they, they make it clear that these stones bring, mystically bring a thriving um, agriculture and, and life mm-hmm. to their village. Um, and so once it's been... Um, once it's been kind of uh, communicated through the, through the exposition and stuff, then not only has that once the stones were stolen, that all the crops dried up and the village um, pretty much kind of became really desolate. That they then came and abducted all their children and stuff too. Like that, it was just such a oh man. Uh, you know, I think part of that is just watching it as a parent now. Too, yeah, yeah. You know? Oh yeah. yeah. It hits you a little bit harder, mm-hmm. but, um, but that notion that, you know, all the children were stolen into slavery and stuff too, is just yeah. uh, such a heavy, heavy beat there. Um, which that heaviness and that darkness is certainly all over this film more yeah. so than the other ones. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that was maybe, and maybe that was part of the reason that like, I started to invest more in or invested more in this story in some ways because, you know, the other stories it was, you know, you're, you're looking for this artifact. And I mean, of course, this story involves that, too. But it's also like, oh, freeing child slaves, too. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I think maybe that was part of the reason that uh, part of the reason that, uh, you know, this movie, in spite of the, um, you know, it, it sort of being a departure, why it kind of. Um, you know, has that appeal for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more than a treasure hunt. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Um, which is, which is really good. Yeah. The, um, but the, yeah. So let's tell you, have any thoughts on that? Tim, we no, go? no, I, I, this is good. I, I'm, I'm almost afraid to say it because I don't want to make light of, of the topic of like child slavery, but I, sure. I just feel like as a storytelling choice, it's such a bold, well, yeah, thing to do, and it's really, 80s. Imp- yeah, mm-hmm. I- I'm just really impressed that, that that, which sounds weird, not to like again, not to make light of that topic, but just to to go that route and to make that part of the story. Yeah, I, I it's really impressed. It's a really interesting story idea that I, I'd be nervous to tackle, but yeah. he, I, I really, it's an interesting route to go. Well, for the for the franchise that mm-hmm. this is and for the kind of category this sort of movie falls under it's there are a lot of incredibly bold yeah, choices in yeah. this film like yeah like i mean child slavery mm-hmm. uh you know this sort of honestly i don't know how many big blockbusters would have chosen like china and india as a mm-hmm. background yeah at, at that point in time mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. uh as well and then whew, we get into the the darkness of what's called the thuggy cult, mm-hmm. um, which I think uh, has some. <laughs> I use some lightly here. <laughs> so, some has historical, factual background, like in mm-hmm. the existence of this cult. Mm-hmm. But you know, as <laughs> as for the practices we see in the movie, maybe, maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> But, um, you know, there have been whispers that this cult had had uh, taken over um, the the temple, you know, uh, there mm-hmm. in India. And, and where, I where, Pankot, Pankot Palace was mm-hmm. the name of the place. Um, but even when they're on their way there, just some of the darker moments, like I remember it's a scene reminiscent to Raiders, like in the opening scene of Raiders, they're going mm-hmm. through the jungle and they come across that stone statue mm-hmm. i guess and it scares off some people well it happens again this time 
But the statue's wearing like a necklace of severed fingers. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, oh. what? <laughs> Yeah. What was this movie rated again? Let's <laughs> just um, talk about the ratings real quick, yeah. too. Oh, my goodness. Um, this film and Gremlins, now there is some debate because of the release date mm. of all the films that are kind of involved, but this film and the first Gremlins film are credited with being the reason the PG-13 rating was created. Wow. Um, there was a film that came out before those films that was rated PG-13, and um, there's some other accolade about PG-13 movies. It doesn't apply to either of them either. Mm. But the sort of dark darkness being sold to a family film, mm-hmm. in a sense, um, I felt like it was not accessible enough to be PG, but also not strong enough to be R. Yeah. Um, they really wanted to fight that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to see if I can find a little bit more information on that. But yeah. So um, it certainly earns its PG-13 rating. I'll say that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if not so, even when they get into the temple and they have the temple dinner. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, what a way to, to, to like, you know, I feel like Raider, any, this whole, the whole franchise has a, does a really good job of um, Exposition. Those scenes that typically are very boring in most movies, or can be. Yeah. But I feel like in you know, like in, in Raiders, there is a whole scene you know with exposition with the date though that was poisoned. Oh, yeah. So with the Nazi monkey, exactly the Nazi <laughs> monkey. And so not only are you learning, but you're also like scared. Indian Jones is going to eat this date the whole time. Yeah. You're like, is he going to? You know. And this one, I'm like, I mean, it's different, but you're getting some exposition, but you're also reacting to these just crazy meals that come out and eating this uh, giant beetle. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And uh, so I, he, I feel like there's always interesting ways that they are able, they tell, you know, tell what's going on, but you're also paying attention to other things too. So, yeah. Oh, the, um, so, so yeah, uh, back to the PG 13 rating real quick. So the Flamingo kid in 1984 was the first to receive a PG 13 rating, mm-hmm. but it was shelved for like five months before it was released. Mm-hmm. So red Dawn, um, if you're familiar with that film was actually the first film released mm-hmm. with a PG 13 rating. But I think gremlins and temple of doom were in production, I think before then. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people believe that it, they would have been rated. They both would have been rated R if Spielberg's name hadn't been attached to them. Oh, wow. Um, so, so there you are on that. Yeah. Um, also, fun fact: Kate Capshaw screams seventy-one <laughs> times in the film. Um, but, but also, like, you know, you wonder, like, what's the what's the duration? Because it seemed like her screams too were like so extended. Maybe yes. I don't know if they mm. were or weren't, but it just feels like they just went on for a while. I yeah, mm-hmm. it really seemed to be part of part of it. Yeah, um, that's at some point. <laughs> um, so eventually, you know, they get they they redo another you know insect scene. Mm-hmm. They find a, a pathway into um, into the temple, uh, a hidden passage, and um, man, I'm telling you, they do really good with the unsettling mm-hmm. visuals with insects yeah. and stuff. And and maybe and now not to not to say great things about uh, Kate Capshaw, but. I will say there was moments that I'd kind of forgotten that were funnier than I had remembered. I know later on, you know, the kind of the second half for the, you know, later on in the film, it does really you know, kind of become like almost like a horror film. But early on, there's a lot of humorous scenes, but 
there's a lot at stake. Like you know, the, the Indiana Jones and um, short round, you know, about to be, you know, be in the process oh, yeah. of being, you know, eventually crushed, but needing, you know, uh, needing her to yeah to enact the levers. Yes, like that yeah, to release the trap. And there's just some really funny moments and some really kind of <laughs> terrifying. I don't, they do a good job of, of of kind of blending those two sort of mixed emotion. You're you're it's, it's somewhat silly, but also scary too. I don't know. They, I liked uh liked what they did with that. <laughs> Man. Yeah, dude. She that, like, I'd forgotten the whole like, you know, in in the in through the crawl the whole like we are going to die. Like yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten just how it's it's scary, but it's also really it just really amused me this time around. I don't know. Maybe because you know he's they're gonna be fine. I don't know, but yeah. uh it, it really cracked me up. <laughs> The scene to me that really got me, I mean, that, that exchange, I mean, I was entertained in mm-hmm. a sense because, but she was being so, so obnoxious yeah. in that yeah. scene, like, yeah. mm, I don't want to touch these yeah. bugs, you know, and everything, which like, listen, I wouldn't love it either. But again, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, we're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, that, that particular booby trap was, was spiked because uh, short round had leaned up against the wall oh, and yeah. this trigger went off. Mm-hmm. And so... I had a real um, parental moment in this where they're finally released from the trap and Mm -hmm. she comes in the room. She's like, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. You guys are okay." And she's still complaining about all the bugs that she got on her. And she leans up against the wall and triggers the thing all over again. I'm like, this this is what it's like to have a child. Um, You escape death. You're just having to keep your head on a swivel mm-hmm. um, for that. Oh, yeah. But, uh, no, yeah, it was just so, so crazy. So, <laughs> um, okay, on to something, at least for, for my take, truly terrifying, mm-hmm. which is when they, re- you know, help happen upon the, the cult ceremony oh, for the first time. Yeah. That was the moment I knew mm-hmm. maybe this movie was inappropriate for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was so terrified of Muller. And I got to give John Williams credit because, like, the score in that scene Mm -hmm. with, like, the choral uh, effect and and, uh, the chanting and stuff like that was just off the charts creepy. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, the lighting and, you know, Muller's costume, that weird headpiece with Mm -hmm. the bones, you know, the horns or whatever, and everything. He was. just a phenomenal villain, mm-hmm. too. Just terrifying. Did he even blink in that movie? I mean, he was... Uh, anyway, yeah. It's still, you know, it still creeped me out watching mm-hmm. it this time with the um, with the music playing and, you know, the heart, the ripping out of the heart and stuff was just truly terrifying stuff that didn't bother me as much now, but still the, the whole new... The whole uh, ambiance and the atmosphere... Mm-hmm. Of that scene still like creeped me out as a as yeah. an adult uh, now. But what mm-hmm. what are your guys' takes on the villainry of Timbaladoon? Yeah, that which I think in, in hindsight it makes me laugh. It's like a kid, you know, stumbling in on my parents and the 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 crocodile or you know the gator scene or um, how that scared me when they're far more terrifying parts of the movie that I that I was lucky to miss at that age. But yeah, I'm with you. When I finally did watch it later on, that was, I, but up until then, there had been things that were, you know, that some kind of the gross out moments. Mm-hmm. But 
you don't really feel like yeah you're watching something that's not appropriate for you until that that moment you're like oh this is this is something like you really feel at that point you're getting away with something as a as a kid compared to all you know the food or whatever that just was gross but kind of silly that was yeah that was a, a scary moment yeah it's definitely looking back thinking like wow how did uh how did they get away with that not being mm-hmm. yeah. r-rated you know yeah um, yeah I don't, and, and it does also kind of just go back to you know all the you know stereotypes and jokes about sort of the 80s being different for kids you know and how yeah. kids just got to watch way more mature things and uh, we have you know we're just latchkey kids and all these different things it, it's sort of uh um you know just a good reminder of that but uh yeah that was really it was really some uh dark stuff between the heart ripping between uh you know, nearly lowering this lady down into uh, into lava between child slavery and everything else. Um, and it was interesting, too, you know, to, to see, like, I guess, you know, in, in the other two, we had sort of this spiritual object, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you had elements of that. But this one then also really kind of got into... Um, you know, the, sort of the uh, some over the top uh, stuff with with the voodoo. Like the voodoo yeah. always stands out to me a little bit more every time I see it, too. You know? Yeah, I um, this time I'd forgotten about that mm-hmm. element yeah. this time, and then I just froze for a second. Which, like, listen, I don't know everything about every corner of the world, but I was like, is is voodoo an Indian thing too? Like, you know, I always think of myself. Mm. I always think of like. Um, whatever the origins of, of Louisiana and New Orleans, mm-hmm. you know, of French and, and all that stuff, you know, cause I think of New Orleans, I think of voodoo and that kind of area of old Cajun mysticism and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But so I, I don't know, like when I looked at it, mm-hmm. I was like, really, is that, is that a thing? Uh, and that kind of worldview and those, and those religious systems, I don't know. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it shook me for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. Did they just just throw this in here for a plot point? Then you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember. But yeah, I yeah, that, this is a real cornerstone of '80s evidence of what <laughs> what we were allowed to consume mm-hmm. um, that maybe we shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, and so then, well, well then even the you know, just reading it out loud, I guess, or. Or having someone tell you it doesn't seem that bad, but like they make Andy mm. drink blood. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Oh. I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> we're gonna make you drink the dark blood to turn you evil. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> what is happening? Um, and I always wondered too, because like apparently, you know, earlier when they're in the palace and you know they're on the front of the palace the maharaja is there mm-hmm. and is trying to put his little foot down about how you know they don't have anything to do with the thuggy cults and you know all this other stuff but he has already been corrupted mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i assume he's already been corrupted at that point mm-hmm. um and so they made a kid I-, I can see why they made him drink the blood so they could have sort of the control of mm-hmm. the of uh, the government or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But then I was like, well, why didn't they make short round drink the blood too? 
Mm. You know, I best but they were just going to sell, put him in slavery mm-hmm. with all the other kids. But maybe they've got a limited amount of blood. And maybe so. They so. have to use it on like <laughs> key, use it sparingly. Key yeah. figures. Yeah. Like, yeah. The rule is you don't drink the blood unless we already have a voodoo doll of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, that way we can make sure it's fully consumed right. um, for maximum effect. <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, beyond all those other reasons, it's so the plot can go the way the plot needs to go. Right? Mm-hmm. They don't give it to Willie because she's going to be the sacrifice and mm-hmm. short round so he can escape, you know? Yeah. Um, which I'm still a fan of short rounds, like slavery escape as even mm-hmm. as a kid. The, mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite visuals um, of, I think it crosses, not crosses the line, but and calling it realistic also seems a little disingenuous too, <laughs> but you know, the, I have a real pet peeve in um, TV or film where kids are smarter than the adults mm, yeah. are more capable. And his escape, at least in this world that this film has built, was so realistic to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he was like just quietly when people weren't watching, you know, chopping away his chains mm-hmm. and stuff. When he got that free, like, the move he makes, I thought was so awesome. Like when he climbs up the top of the ladder and then he like the soldiers are climbing up the ladder and he just charges the ladder and like flings it all the way across mm-hmm. the mine shaft and grabs the rope to climb up into the temple. When I say it out loud, it doesn't sound realistic at all, but um, <laughs> it's really visually impressive. Yeah. Um, and it's all again, like in this sort of fantasy adventure film, seems like the kind of um, fighting techniques Mm -hmm. a kid who is fighting armed guard adults would do. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. so he doesn't, so he's escaping, but also, you know, it's kind of, kind of a prototype home alone situation (laughs) um, in a way. Yeah. Um, But, but I love how he, he gets away from that. Yeah. Um, It was really exciting. And then, um, you know, of course, he goes on and, and you know, kind of wakes Indy up out of the thing. And I, I will say, I you know, it's it's a little sentimental, but um, I'm a little, I'm a little torn on the moment Indy wakes up because, mm-hmm. and maybe I've missed it at mm-hmm. some point, but I don't know if he just got lucky mm-hmm. knowing that fire wakes people up. Oh yeah, or if that was something that was kind of established somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I, know. I, yeah, I don't remember it being established anywhere. I think he was just, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean that's a good question. He may have just seemed. It always seemed to me like he just got lucky, you know. Yeah. But you wonder, mm-hmm. like, um, is it just is it fire specifically, or is it like is mm. it pain, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It would be you see another scene where like a character's, you know, been drinking blood and they like stub their toe really hard. Yeah. And just, just, they just snap some rock. Oh, like, oh, what happened? Yeah. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> that was the original. Ow. That was the original draft. Yeah, stubbing the toe. Stub his toe really hard, and they're like, on one oh, of those. How can we make this more, you know, narratively satisfying? He drops one of the stones on his foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. I've got to get out of here. Yeah. Let's rescue all the slave children. Um, yeah. So pretty wild. Yeah. So, you know, Indy is redeemed 
uh, in that moment they escape mm-hmm. and everything and um yeah and i thought the um i should jump all the way back to mm-hmm. see you know what got them in trouble in the first place mm-hmm. is you know they they had eavesdropped on the initial ceremony mm-hmm. and indy goes down and retrieves the stones and he hears the cries of the children mm. oh the yeah background. yeah and that is what gives him hesitation and he decides to leave although i get <laughs> i laughed out loud <laughs> and this moment where he goes it's such a harrison ford move you know like he goes and he finds the the children being abused and beaten by these um you know cult member guards and he just throws a rock at one of them i'm like yeah right that's right what did you expect <laughs> yeah to, to gain from that and yeah. i was like but that's that's so harrison ford so indiana jones like you know what i'm just gonna throw this rock at this guy's head i'm gonna show them oh i have not thought about that i've not thought this all the way through <laughs> now i'm drinking blood yeah. um yeah but you know I, I will say um we talked about the score in the ceremony being so haunting uh at the same time one of my favorite non um non indiana jones theme uh pieces of music that john williams made is um i think it's called the slave children crusade but it's the it's the theme that comes up Mm. once he decides to go back and take on all the guards and free the children and stuff um which it's it's another it's another great shot that kind of throws back to raiders like when Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Indy is just entering a scene, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this shot of this guard gets punched, and it's so old school, unrealistic <laughs> action movie. But he gets punched so hard, his body just slides across the ground. Oh you yeah, know? yeah. And then the the mining cart pushes in on the screen, and the light just kind of slowly mm-hmm. um, goes up. And he's standing there in his little you know hero pose, sort of. <laughs> Um, this is really awesome. Uh, yeah. like it's just, it's a great, it's a great moment. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and a fun, a fun piece of trivia too, is that I think his name is Pat Roach. Um, he was the, he was the huge muscular <gasps> yes. yeah. Nazi, the, the propeller fight guy mm-hmm. from Raiders, um, renews his cameo for temple of doom as the giant. Th- um guard yeah as well oh, okay so it's the same actor and they actually tried to bring him in he had, he does have a really small cameo in last crusade as well but he doesn't have that big mm-hmm. fight with indy yeah. um he shows up in the zeppelin scene i think if you look closely they said but oh, wow. um but that fight was always so enter- entertaining mm-hmm. uh in its own way and i think that was one of the fun things they talked about i want to i don't know if it was between lucas and spielberg or somebody else but um spielberg actually tried to find parts to make things a little bit light i think it was lucas actually who was accusing spielberg of being too dark mm-hmm. on it and so he tried to make concessions to make things a little bit lighter and one of his ideas was was in that fight when indy like swings the hammer at the guard he just catches it and throws it away mm-hmm. but when he throws it away it lands on the head of another guard oh, and yeah, just knocks yeah. him out yeah. <laughs> which still make, made me laugh um, awesome. even upon most recent view yeah. <laughs> that was good good stuff mm-hmm. any thoughts about this sort of kind of last act of the of the film as we're kind of getting into that because I need to look up something oh yeah well I 
again, you know, I'm, I'm always I've, this whole I feel like this whole episode I've just been kind of complimenting their storytelling choices. But you know, of all things that to, to be involved in a chase scene, the idea that it's mine cars, yeah. yet another just I feel like bold but difficult but really really exciting choice. <laughs> and we have a current generation. I think this is this is going to be a little bit of a niche reference, mm-hmm. but the, a little bit of a generation now that is spoiled from having played Donkey Kong Country, yeah. the video game, <laughs> which is really famously yep. known for a minecart level. Yep. Mm-hmm. But this predates that by probably 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. Maybe 10 years. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I just, it's another kind of move that I, it's, it seems just really tough to pull up, but I'm really glad they, they went that route. It's shot so well, too. Yeah. Like, it's such a... It's still an exciting mm-hmm. scene to watch. And <clears throat> the and I will say this, the <laughs> this is gonna sound mean. But when they needed it most, the only time Kate Capshaw's character was actually kind of useful. <laughs> um, one of those guards had jumped carts, mm-hmm. which first of all that's not yeah. that's great. Oh man. Um, and was about to stab them and she pops up and just punches him right yeah. in the face. Yeah. Which <laughs> then takes out another cart yeah. <laughs> and was yeah. like the one who the one punch that eliminated all the rest of the guards. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. that's pretty wild. That's great. Yeah. Mm. So at least they gave her something. <laughs> yeah, and I will say, um, I wonder if Harrison Ford just really enjoys this shot mm-hmm. but the shot of him running towards the camera mm-hmm. seeing something off camera really terrifying and then oh, running away gosh. that is like tom cruise running like yeah. that must be like in his contract mm-hmm. for every movie but the the his you know he has to manually stop the cart with his foot and he's running around with his foot on fire yeah. screaming <laughs> for water and then he runs you know at the camera and then the chance of I need water to like oh my god look at all this water coming, <laughs> um, but still just a just a great gag, mm-hmm. and I yeah. will say too like even with um, the bulk of the villains being defeated at this point, that was one of the scary moments to me too when they run out mm-hmm. and realize there's nothing there oh, right, yeah but depth and they have to stand on the edge like that always used to creep me out too as a kid mm-hmm. i don't think i realized what a fear of heights i had yeah you know until <laughs> seeing that but mm-hmm. yeah yeah that whole that whole last sequence between you know starting on the edge of the the cliff and then on the bridge oh man uh yeah that's that's the scariest part for me is, yeah. is those heights you know and then but also remember thinking too like um you know they're just having all these critiques of like uh of how the the water was a little ways off like it was like dry ground beneath the edge of the um cliff or whatever yeah. or the edge of the the bridge but then all these guys were like falling but then they were falling you know into the water into the crocodiles even though it was like clearly like way out there like you would just <laughs> drop down and hit yeah. dry ground yes <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, yeah. the, um go ahead Jared. no 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 I, I i'm done Okay. I was going to say, too, when we um, – well, I'll get there in a second. Um, another um, – almost immediately after, there's another Harrison Ford runs at the camera moment 
straight yeah. out of Star Wars mm-hmm. when he chases after the two guys. But I would say right before that, they give the little nod to Raiders. Mm-hmm. Now there's two swordsmen instead yeah. of one. He's like, let me go back to my pistol oh, again. Yeah. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. I don't have it. Right. Um, was a was a funny little gag. <laughs> um, but chasing them off only to have to turn around and be chased by like dozens of them. Oh, man. That real stormtrooper moment there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just feel like Lucas is like, I want to put this in here. Yeah. This will make things less scary for the children. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the bridge scene. All right, I only have one real major gripe with this, and, and, and I might be wrong here. Um, but as I was watching it this time, I just happened to notice. I wasn't even trying to like have an eagle eye on. But all those soldiers are chasing them, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all armed with their swords, and they're going to, you know, Mm. whatever mm-hmm. do that well indy cuts the bridge and then all of a sudden all those swordsmen become archers somehow like I, i'm i'm just assuming mm-hmm. more soldiers showed up that had bows and arrows mm-hmm. but when they yeah. cut back they're all just in position ready to shoot mm-hmm. so i'm like did all those swords like turn into bows yeah. or something like what, <laughs> what just happened um that that felt a little weird mm-hmm. um yeah in that moment yeah Oh yeah, I agree. I forgot about that actually, but yeah, yeah. The um, and then uh, yeah, the bridge cutting scene is just oh man. One again, great, great iconic shots there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but and also just one of the um, most spiritually insensitive trash talks, but um, you know, triumphant in its own way. <laughs> <clears throat> for Indy, the prepare to meet Kali in hell. Um, <laughs> on. It's just, again, just a quintessential Harrison Ford role yep. type type quote. Um, that was great. And I, and I gotta <laughs> admit, even if it is a little bit of a caricature, Kikwan, I mean, Kikwan at that time, I mean, like, he was doing the same thing when he was playing Data in the Goonies, too, but I still I can't quote it because it's well if I do if I impersonate it it's racist so I I, I don't want to do that but um when he's speaking Chinese to short round to tell mm-hmm. him that he's about to cut the bridge oh yeah and he just starts wrapping up his hands and Willie's like what's going on he just goes hold on lady we're going for a ride yeah <laughs> just, just how just how love- like calm he is about yeah. it oh gosh just, just gets me. <laughs> I'm still laughing thinking about it. <laughs> Hold on, lady. We're going for a ride. Oh, man. And, of course, his delivery of it is, oh, yeah. is just perfect. Because he's like, what, seven years old, yeah. maybe, at that time? <laughs> and it's just, I imagine my eight-year-old son saying something similar. Mm-hmm. And, like, it cracks me up just as much. <laughs> um, oh, man. So good. And then, you know, you have the bridge climax fight. It was really intense. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, both of them, you know, hanging off the bridge. And and you even see the sort of, you know, you have the, I don't know if we really saw this that much in Raiders or in Crusade. But the the ruthlessness Mm -hmm. of Mulram that he would, he grabbed his own men off the bridge to throw them. Yeah. You know, yeah. just how ruthless he was as a villain and mm-hmm. how little he cared yeah. for his own people, even which I mean, <clears throat> cult leader 101. Yeah. <laughs> uh, am I right? Um, oh yeah. <clears throat> more, more meanings than one there. Um, 
to, to care very little for the well-being of the people who follow you mm-hmm. um, as long as you can get your own, you know, you know, you know, uh, achieve your own desires. Yeah. Um, and I always like, you know, especially as a kid, I mean, it's still I think it's a an entertaining climax where they are wrestling over the bag that has mm-hmm. the stones in it at the end, which oh, is just, yeah. a, uh, again, I think is a great visual. And I um I don't know how I really feel about it, but I want to trend towards really liking it. That he he kind of speaks the spiritual out spirituality back at Molaram, like mm-hmm. you have betrayed your God, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and you you have to answer for that, like and, you know. And again, you know, mm-hmm. white savior notwithstanding, you know, yeah, Indiana Jones is the title character, so that's what's going to happen. But, yeah, <laughs> but. I really like that. Like how the realization of these artifacts are things that were intended to give life mm-hmm. and he was using them to bring death and devastation and like mm-hmm. his sort of you know in the Bible you would call it you know it's it's like him acting like a prophet. Yeah. Like you know calling calling him out for that while they're holding the stones and that brings them to life and stuff and he starts this incantation or whatever it is i'm mm-hmm. not sure exactly what it is but yeah um and how to um it's neat that you don't ever see indy wrestling with it mm-hmm. but they lose two of the three stones and there's only one left which means he can't keep he either has to keep it mm-hmm. or has to give it back to the village because yeah. there were they said there were originally five stones and they had only recovered three so far, mm-hmm. the, the cult had, and they had recovered one of them by stealing it from that village. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cult, and, and that's the thing, the village only wanted their one stone mm-hmm. back too. Yeah. You know, they were not greedy. They just wanted what was theirs. And, um, you know, he's already, you know, Molaram's already taunting him, like, go ahead, drop them in the river. They'll be, we'll find them again, you know, mm. you know, and, and all this stuff. And oh, man. For, you know, for for his, it, it's a really, it's interesting. All three films have something of an anticlimactic demise for the mm-hmm. villain, in the sense that it's not really a fight. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. this is probably the closest thing there is to one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that it, it comes to, it comes to a uh, philosophical or a moral fight, mm-hmm. really. Like you you are the person who wants to use this power for evil. And so you're going to be undone by that evil Mm -hmm. and I'm seeking to use it for good. And that's why I'm going to succeed. Um, and that's a sort of an enduring thought for all the films. That's really encouraging, you know, Mm -hmm. that there Mm -hmm. is great power in the world and it can be used for good or evil, but eventually evil is going to be undone by their own tactics. Yeah. You know, right. By the very power they wish to achieve. Yeah. (laughs) I was trying to see if I could find a translation for what he was saying um, mm. in that because I thought I'd read it at one point. Does anybody, you guys have any thoughts like on the bridge scene, on the crowd, you know, the crocodiles, the, <laughs> the, uh, any of it's that? Terrifying. Stuff? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just curious how, like, what was shot that was real and what they did that was. Um, you know, like green screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, it looked like, I mean, it looked like they went to an actual location. Yeah. 
with with a bridge like that and then mm-hmm. you know so i guess maybe i, I but I, I don't know i i need to maybe read up on some of that because i'm curious what was i mean some of the some of the uh effects in the film like hold up fairly well for when they were done you know and then some mm-hmm. of them some of them not so much like that when they're out on the the cliff when they go to the wide shots of them standing on the cliff like the mm-hmm. you know um the green screen stuff shows out a lot there but you know some of those i'm 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 just curious like how they did some of those yeah so the rope bridge itself um was in sri lanka oh wow um spielberg apparently would never walk over it (laughs) and would drive a mile and a half to to reach the other side wow Um, harrison ford on the other hand had no such fear and would run across it at full speed oh wow which Holy cow! Of course not. So, yeah. so I wonder, did they did they actually shoot? I guess some of that actually on there. So there's more. Yeah, there's more here. So the oh, scene wow. proved a challenge because they couldn't use stuntmen for the long drop. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they learned that lesson from the truck incident. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, this was a uh, this was solved by making 14 dummies to stand in for the mm. guards. They contained a mechanism and batteries inside them, which could operate their leg and arm movements. Uh, The dummies were fastened to the bridge with the mechanism rigged to start working as soon as they were released from the ropes. This made the dummies look like they were really kicking and flailing as soon as the bridge was cut. That is Oh, wow. Wow. And um, also, oh, (laughs) I had read somewhere, I thought at the time, this was... um, this was one of the highest body counts mm-hmm. uh, in a movie, but there's a body count of 43 oh, okay. uh, in this movie, 20 of them by Indy himself. <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, I'm, I'm still, still looking for the translation, but yeah, I came across all that while we were talking with the, um, yeah, I guess it's not in there. Hmm. I thought there, thought it was, might've been some of the other translations like in the, um, the, uh, ceremony scenes and stuff mm-hmm. but um so some pretty heavy heavy stuff so <clears throat> yeah like um temple of doom man it, it was so interesting is that this actually has so it, it has the lowest rotten tomato score at least of the three mm-hmm. um the rotten tomatoes critic score is 84 and the audience score is 81 um which is like a almost a 15 percent drop mm. from raiders um, do you guys have any theories as to why it's such a, such a big drop, at least? I mean, do people just really like to see mm. Nazis get killed? Or? <laughs> you know, I'm willing to bet. I don't know if this is the case, but I, I, I've got to think that it's, you know, after seeing Raiders, kind of getting an idea of what Indiana Jones is and kind of the action-adventure genre and going to this where it's still that, but there's definitely this kind of added sort of horror element. I wonder if a lot of that has to do with just not being what people expect or maybe you know take someone you know something they might take their kids to see or show with their kids like a family like even on netflix now i think it's still like in the family maybe not i have to double check but i thought that's what it was in in like the family you know family genre i don't know family action or whatever um i wonder if that's it that just it's just kind of was a surprise to people who might have expected something different and a little bit less kind of harrowing at times I, I want to say some of the stuff that I've seen a long time ago, it was kind of about, um, and well, I guess maybe the comparison I could draw is to one of your, another one of your favorite, uh, 
film series, Stephen, is like maybe comparing it to Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. where in mm-hmm. the second film, they basically go to a place and they're just kind of there for the whole yeah. time. So there's, ah, so, mm-hmm. there, so there's no real, you know, whereas in Raiders, um, you know, there's a lot more traveling around mm-hmm. and, you know, in the last crusade, this is, I mean, you, you get a little bit of, uh, at the beginning of temple of doom, but then, you know, once they get there, mm-hmm. it's, you know, right. mainly in one location. Yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of like with, with guardians too. I remember people complaining with guardians like, yeah, it's guardians of the galaxy. They should be traveling around, you know? Mm, uh, yeah. so I, I think that's what I've seen at least some people complain about. Mm. Yeah. That's, I, that. no, I, I can understand that too. Oh. I mean, I, I don't agree with them, but I mean, you know, I, I, I understand it. So I did find um, there's actually a really fascinating Reddit thread that has a Hindi translation for all the Hindi lines in Temple of Doom. Wow. Um, and so the, yeah, the bridge battle scene, um, he's, <laughs> um, he's actually in his Mandarin and Cantonese to short round when he's telling, you know, hold on lady, we're going mm. for a ride. He says, um, hold on, tell her. <laughs> um, and then, um, but when they're fighting, he is alternating because he speaks in English when he says, you betrayed Shiva. Mm-hmm. But um, when he's speaking Hindi, he says, you believe in Shiva. So mm. he's like constantly saying, you believe in Shiva, you betrayed Shiva. Mm. You know, and mm. he just keep, keeps saying that over again. So just kind of holding him accountable to, you know, to his betrayal. Yeah. Mm, um, wow. Yeah. Just pretty. I mean, yeah. listen, I'm no, I'm no Hindu, but yeah. not far, far from it. But you know, so it's a, it's a powerful. I mean, mm-hmm. I think religious hypocrisy that goes into cult-like behavior. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be coy. I know we, I like to do that a lot. Yeah. But like, you know, <laughs> that, <laughs> I just can't escape it, can I? Um, you know, that that sort of thing is really powerful in any. Um, story environment to see you know I have my own thoughts about the world and how we got here and, mm-hmm. and, and what the meaning of life is and stuff but there is something sacred religion is to a lot of people and what they believe especially those who believe those things sincerely whether whether you believe those things or not you know so like to see that get abused and exploited mm-hmm. by you know, in this case, a cult-like figure, and to see that cult-like figure held accountable for his exploitations mm. and his greed and his evil and stuff is just—it's—it's it's very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. should say. Um, which I, I think that's—that's that's probably the best I can do to explain it um, for me. But like, I think that's one of the moments mm-hmm. why I'm, this film is so satisfying to me is seeing that moment play out is because. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not, there's no point in me kind of dancing around it. You know, I see that happen a lot in my own life with what I believe about um, Christianity and stuff. And so, not that I want to see people get eaten alive by crocodiles. Um, not today, anyway. And um, But there is something really um, fulfilling and satisfying. Not to see the evil punished, per se, but at least to see the upright vindicated. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's a lot of what this film provided was, you know, the children were freed. And and uh, Tim and I were talking about this earlier, Jared, I don't know if you noticed, but like another really sweet line is when they go back to the village and things are thriving again. And, you know, he brings him the stone 
and he was just like, oh, you know, like, you know, the, the sweet old man, he was, which apparently did not speak a word of English. Mm. Apparently, like, he was just mimicking Spielberg behind the camera for all of his lines. Ah, wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so wild. And at the end, let me see if I, I went away from this article. I want to come back to it. No worries. But, um, Oh man, are you kidding me? I could have sworn it was there, but um, but he speaks to him at the end. He greets him back, and he's like, "You believe?" When he sees the stone, he's like, "Ah, you believe?" You know, like you've seen <laughs> what it can do, and, mm. and um, he's just so overjoyed. And you think it's really to see a stone, but he tells him, he goes, "We knew you had done it because when everything started growing back." Wow! So like mm. you know, the land was already coming alive again before he even got there. Mm. And um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to say there, you know, about, you know, hope and um, sort of for a forward, a forward casting sort of, of, mm-hmm. of uh, grace to come and yeah. stuff that's just really cool. And then, you know, it's sweet as a parent to see all the kids running back and mm-hmm. being out with their parents because, yeah, you know, well, I have heart. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> Uh, unlike some of the people in this film, but which right, sorry, um, they got a heart too. Maybe they didn't have they, one, but they, they took a few. They had one <laughs> until it was taken away. Um, oh gosh, man! But what? Yeah, what a what a um, satisfying film. Mm-hmm. I had. And I really don't think it gets the credit it deserves in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. um, John Williams once again nominated for best um best score for temple of doom uh and loses to ironically a passage to india um interesting yeah right strange um i did want to say just as i was looking through this jared to um it completely unrelated to indiana jones this particular year the academy awards was interesting for the best original song category um the winner of that year was Stevie Wonder for I Just Called to Say I Love You. Okay. But this is a, if there's if there was ever a Hall of Fame top to bottom mm-hmm. song category for a year, I feel like this would be a contender. You have that in terms of timelessness, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil Collins, Against All Odds, which I didn't even know that song was from a film. Yeah, I had no idea. It's from a film called Against All Odds. Imagine that. <laughs> um, Footloose. Footloose, the song, was nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah. Actually, Footloose, the film, produced two Academy Award-nominated songs, uh, that and Let's Hear It for the Boy, and the theme from Ghostbusters, also nominated for an yeah. Academy Award for Best Original yeah. Song. So, you know, it, 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 in terms of, of <laughs> living on in the memory of pop culture, maybe one of the most memorable Academy Award years, at least from music. Um, yeah. So it's pr- pretty wild stuff. Wow. Um, any lingering remaining thoughts on Temple of Doom? Hmm. Uh, I think he covered most of it for me. Yeah. Cool. I'm here. Well, um, thanks any, anyway, guys, for joining us and for uh, participating. You can find Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom on Netflix right now. So if you're tired of um, Hallmark Christmas movies where um, the girl moves into a small town and uh, is engaged to a jerk, but meets a really cute guy, and uh, they end up breaking <laughs> up and finding a you know a new. Okay. Um, yeah, and you'd rather see if if you'd rather see a different take on someone's heart being ripped out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
come to Netflix and find Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, I don't know how much longer it'll be on there, but the entire Indiana Jones um, library is currently there. So uh, thanks for joining us. And until next time, keep working on your night cheese. I have heart. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> uh, unlike some of the people in this film, but which. <laughs>